Welcome into Friday's edition of Hot Takes. For Cody Blazak, I'm David Smith, and we have lots of stuff to cover. But first, some great news coming for you. Next week, Tanner will not be here, which means Cody and I will be here with you all week long. Monday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday on the Dudes and Hot Takes. So if you don't like my voice, I'll be with you all five days. So hopefully you'll get to enjoy it, right? If you don't like my voice, you already deal with it all five days. That's very, very true. Something that uh, I, I'm not a fan of your voice, but yet I'm still here with you, you know? <laughs> I don't like your voice, and I'm still here with you. You can't just, you can't just take what I said. I do. I, out of the kindness of my heart, I have to listen to this voice three days a week. It's true. And I do it for you. Hey, and you also get paid to do it, but that's 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 beside the point. We've got some great basketball to talk about here. Last night, we'll still go in chronological order here. Number one overall seed, Gonzaga, is now out of the NCAA tournament. Taking their fourth loss of the season. I mean, overall, it was just Arkansas was more physical with them. They just played strong. They didn't necessarily let, let Gonzaga play their kind of basketball. Um, I mean, you hold Drew Timmy to 9 of 19. That's insane. Well, I mean, he still had 25 points. but And obviously, Rasheer Bolden and Andrew Nemhard didn't shoot well. Strother didn't shoot well either. No, I mean, none, none of them shot well. But the most astounding one to me is that Drew Timmy shot under 50%. And that's something that just never really happens. Usually, he's 12 of 13, 25 points. Tonight, he was... 9 of 19, 25 points. And that just doesn't typically happen. Well, I think I think another big takeaway from this game was Arkansas's defense. Throughout the tournament, Gonzaga only averaged 7 turnovers a game. They had 15 last night. Ar- Arkansas was just ferocious on the defensive end. I mean, when, when you get a team to double the amount of turnovers they have, that is impressive. And... and Gonzaga is a very fundamental team. A lot of their success comes from just great fundamentals. And Arkansas was able to take that away from them last night. Yeah, Arkansas didn't play their best game on the offensive side of things either. But it didn't really matter based on how well their defense played. I mean, Arkansas shot 7 of 25 from 3, which, I mean, they shot better than Gonzaga, but that's still only 28%. And they shot 64% at the line. Those aren't typical numbers that will win you a game. But based on the way their defense played, that's what really carried them into this victory. Well, another thing for me, J.D. Note, I think, took way too many shots, especially from beyond three. He shot 29 shots last night, went 9 of 29, 2 of 12 from three. He had, I believe it was 21 points. They still won this game. They were, in the last 10 minutes of the second half, there were a bunch of times where J.D. Note could have driven the ball and dished it out, and they probably could have scored on 50% of those plays. Arkansas could have had a huge lead if he wouldn't have just taken three after three after three. He got lucky with a lot of lucky rebounds and second chances that they then put up for points. But, I mean, if J.D. Note doesn't take so many shots, I'm curious as to... To what the lead for Arkansas could have been. That was J.D. Note saying, I'm the guy here. Regardless of shots are going in, shooters are going to shoot. And that was J.D. Note there. That's crazy. 9 of 29. 
overall, everyone else, every other starter shot at least 40%, um, which is an incredible performance. And shout out to Jalen Williams putting up a double-double. He's the guy that really kind of held Holmgren and Timmy in check. He's the one that really, you know, when the ball went inside, he was he was playing low. He was what forced Drew Timmy to play bad. He kept Holmgren from destroying them on the boards. You know, he they wouldn't have won this game without him playing the way he did last night. Well, talking about Chet Holmgren, I mean, I think it's a whole different ball game if the officiating was a little better and he doesn't foul out. And I, I understand that you're not going to get every call to go your way, but Chet Holgram's fourth and fifth foul, the last foul, you could make an argument that it was a foul. The fourth one, that that was a that was a bad call. And, and to be blunt, the officiating was terrible in the second half. It it, it I mean. There was a point in that game where I was like, there is nothing being called. And Drew Timmy might have been fouled on every single shot he put up in the second half. I mean, he was just getting clobbered by the Arkansas defense. And, I mean, yeah, he got a couple fouls here and there, but he very well could have had six to ten more free throw attempts if it was just about any other game. You'll see that from time to time, too. Well, you'll have guys like Holmgren, where they, just based on the fact that they're just bigger than everyone else in the court, they get called for more fouls sometimes. You know, guys like, you know, just guys like Williams who who aren't necessarily the biggest people, but they don't necessarily get called for as many fouls because they just don't look like they're, you know, fouling them. Whereas Holmgren, when he's not fouling them, but due to the fact that he's just, large gets called for it. Get called for a little body bump or something when, you know, he's the one standing his ground. But I agree, the officiating was not great. I still have no doubt in my mind that Arkansas was the better team on the floor last night. No, yeah, I agree with that. Just, again, with the officiating, if you're going to call the second half like that, you need to call the first half like that. You need to be consistent. I mean, it's as simple as that to me. I don't know how big of a difference it would have made. And like you said, I think Arkansas still was, even if those things changed, it might have been a little closer at the end. But at the end of the day, I think Arkansas was better. But, I mean, you think about uh, Nemhard's three with, what, a minute to go that he threw up out of nowhere and made? You very well could have called a foul on that as well. And it could have been a four-point play, would have been a two-point lead. I mean, all the what-ifs. Villanova knocked out 11-seed Michigan last night in a game that really was not crazy entertaining at all. Neither team played great. Michigan just happened to play a little worse. Um, And this is another example, whereas a guy like Drew Timmy, who shot 9 of 19, very uncharacteristic for him. A guy like Hunter Dickinson for Michigan shooting 6 of 16. He still had 15 and 15 on the night, which is something that he's definitely very capable of doing on a regular basis. But he doesn't typically shoot 6 of 16. I mean, props to Villanova playing some fantastic defense, but 
Villanova's guards didn't shoot great either. You've got Gillespie shooting 4 of 14, Moore shooting 5 of 13. And Gillespie went down with an injury late in that game, but I think that all signs are pointing to him being okay, hopefully. Would hate to see him miss another tournament. You know, last year, that crazy injury story. I don't know whether to credit the Villanova defense here or to just say that Michigan was off. I mean, they shot 50% from the line, 33% from three, only 34% from the field as a, as a whole. Um, neither team really turned the ball over a lot. There just wasn't a lot of made shots. Yeah, it wasn't. I mean, like you said, it, it wasn't a great game. I mean, at the end of the day, it's as simple as Villanova just played a little better than Michigan. Because it, it was a – Villanova controlled the game, most of the game. And sometimes that's all you have to do to win games. But credit to – honestly, credit to Michigan for making it this far. I mean, I don't think a lot of people had them going this far, but all props to them. And then, like you said, Colin Gillespie – such a great player he, he's someone you love to watch in the month of March so I mean hopefully this injury was nothing major and he, he can continue his last season in March and hopefully end it on a high note Arkansas will be matching up with the Duke Blue Devils in the Elite Eight Coach K's final season ride continues on with a five-point victory over the Red Raiders and this one was just it was not pretty for Texas Tech towards the end of this game. I mean, they were up 68-66 with 3.19 to go. And then Duke turns around over the next two minutes. You'll want a, a, 7-0, a 7-0 run right there, giving themselves a five-point lead, 73-68. It just, it just kind of felt like when it mattered most, Texas Tech didn't step up to the spotlight. And really, it was Jeremy Roach and the Duke Blue Devils that, that, that took over this game. Obviously, Ben Caro was a huge part of it, and he played great, 22 points. But it felt like Roach was a difference maker in this game. Yeah, I agree. I mean, when you think of this year's Duke squad, the player at mine is going to be Paulo Benchero. But um, Jeremy Roach just, I think, was the difference maker. He didn't lead the team in points, but he shot very well. And at the end of the game, when they needed a big-time player, he came up. He absolutely did. And it, it was it – was, that's something you've seen from Duke teams in the past, where you'll have all these big-time players on the team, and then somebody else steps up and does something fantastic. I think, you know, you've seen past Duke teams that had fantastic players on it. I remember Tyus Jones made a name for himself by doing things like that. And it wouldn't surprise me to see Roach – have that kind of role in the future where he's he's the third guy, the fourth guy, but he's there making big-time plays. And that's kind of what set Duke apart in this game. The defense from either team was not thrillingly great, um, which made this a fun offensive battle, something that I think we had talked about. We weren't sure if Texas Tech's offense was going to be enough. And at the end of the day, they lost the game, but it felt like their offense played well enough to win. Yeah, I think – the issue was Duke's offense was just too good. It's not like Texas Tech played terrible on the defensive end, because I don't think they did personally. 
I just think Duke's offense at the end of the day was so overpowering. Duke also shot, what was it, 80% in the second half? Something like that. They shot 52% on the game. It was, hold up, let me do the math real quick. It was 71% in the second half. They shot 50% from three. I believe they went four of eight in the second half from three. 71% from the field. And they went like, I think, 11 of 13 from the free throw line. They shot ridiculously well in the second half. And I think that was the the game changer. Duke's biggest lead of the game was five. And that was the difference in the final score. 78-73, 78-73, and the, the, the story continues. The biggest storyline of the entire tournament lives on, moves on to the Elite Eight. We'll get to that game coming up. Houston knocks out a one seed in Arizona. This one was one I think you and I both kind of saw coming. Arizona hadn't been playing their best basketball. Houston's playing their best basketball of the season they show up when it's March. I think you texted me last night and said, why does Houston always turn it on in March? And it was, they definitely have. My, my exact text was exactly what you just said. Yeah. Wow, you got that <laughs> quote-unquote perfect. <laughs> I, they, they do it always. And you think we would learn season after season, but they're always ranked. And we always say, oh, they don't have a great conference and they win games, and they lose some, and then they get them the season right before conference tournament. They lose a couple games, and we're like, here's the real Houston that comes out. Yeah, they go and win their conference tournament, and then they get in March, and they're like, stop doubting us. We do this year after year, and we're just going to mess everybody's bracket up, which is what they do. They felt like the opposite of Gonzaga, to the point where Gonzaga plays really well all year long, and they get to March and kind of pitter-patter, stutter, and lose to someone who's, who's very good. And then Houston does the opposite, where they kind of drop games to teams they probably shouldn't, and then when the calendar turns and it's March, they seem to shift into another gear. And that's what got them to the Final Four last year. Nobody really had them there, even though they were a two-seed last year. Many people still doubted them. And now they're a five-seed, and they're one game away from the Final Four once again. But looking at this game here, I mean, Houston's defense has been has been a story all year long. Um, and really all tournament long as well. Holding an Arizona team who plays fantastic offense to 33% from the field, 31% from three. And, I mean, Arizona lived at the foul line, and that's that's what really kind of kept this game within striking distance. But at the end of the day, Houston won by, won by 12, and Arizona never led in this game at all. Well, me and Anthony were talking about this earlier, and I agree with him now that he said it, but Kelvin Sampson might be the best coach in college basketball. He's I mean, up there. This season, at least, put it that way. I mean, with him doing what he's able to do, and Houston just Houston suffered a few injuries this year too. Uh, some some key guys going out for the year, and yet they're still here doing this. See if they can keep it alive. It is March; anything can happen. Holding Benedict Matherin two four of fourteen from the field. That's what I'm sad about. Yeah, and I mean he. He was in a little foul trouble here and there, and but I mean he still he still played thirty seven minutes, and I mean he was he was going to be that guy. Some other shooters for Arizona did not. I mean, did not play well. This is back to back to back games for Kirk Chrissa, who really where he didn't shoot well. He shot one of seven. 
And all he does is shoot threes. And he's a fantastic shooter, but he shot one of seven. Um, I think it was last game against TCU where he didn't make a three until like two minutes to go in the game. It was a big-time three, don't get me wrong, and, and his, his three in this game was, was late as well. But all in all for Arizona, not a, nothing to really hang your head about. You had national championship aspirations, but it's good to see Arizona back competing the way they should and kind of being the top team in the Pac-12, which I think is something that we're going we're gonna to be seeing a lot in the future. Well, I mean, I think with Arizona, I th- we talked about it Wednesday, and my biggest concern was when when you play like that in March, like they did TCU, and you got to play that five extra minutes, and you got to play really hard against a team that you probably shouldn't be going to overtime with. You you see some issues, and you see some trouble, and I, I think at the end of the day, it, it just March was too big for them. There's four more Sweet 16 games tonight. We touched on them Wednesday. But today is the day that I did not know. It is officially National Peacock Day. It is National Peacock Day. It's an incredible coincidence. But is it a coincidence or is it a sign that the St. Peter's Peacocks are going to beat the Purdue Boilermakers? Which which one is it? I, I, I... could be a sign. I, I think it could be. Never did I think I would say this, but I, I believe in St. Peter's. And I have said this all year. I'm not a big fan of this Purdue team. They, they really worry me. And I know they've got Jaden Ivey and Zach Eady. And, yes, they're great players. Jaden Ivey probably will be very well play very well in the league I don't know how great Zach Eadie will play in the league if he makes it to the league but I'm just not a big fan of this Purdue team and it worries me I, I think I think it being Peacock Day is is a big sign Purdue's a 13 point favorite in this game and that just that just seems like like a, a lot in any kind of Sweet 16 game. And I, I just... St. Peter's is, is very undersized, so it's going to be really tough to see them stick stick with Zach Eady. And, and something that you had said on Wednesday was that they just need to... That they're going to need to foul him because Zach Eady is going to dominate the boards. And I'm, I'm... I think the Peacocks can hang in it, though. I think they can. I, yeah, I think they can, too. I think with Zach Eady, go at him. Make him pick up a couple blocking fouls. I mean, you saw it. Who did we see it with? I don't remember who it was. Oh, it was last night with Chet Holgram. For the, for the fifth foul, J.D. Note just went at him. and I, You could argue either way it was a foul or it wasn't a foul. At the end of the day, they called it a foul. You're going to get those controversial calls in games. Go at him. Get a bench player to go at him. Try and get a get a foul. I mean, if you if you can get the big man out, get him in foul trouble, or just get him exhausted, I think you're in good shape. This might be a game where St. Peter's has to has to play up tempo and play fast. Shaheem Holloway quoted saying. I've got guys from New Jersey and New York City. You think we're scared of anything? 
St. Peter's playing fearlessly. Could become the first 15 seed to ever make the Elite Eight. I want to hear it on the air. Do Are they the first 15 seed to make it? Yes or no? I want it so bad. Yes or no? I don't think they will be. I'm going to say yes. I just, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say the Cinderella story continues. I'd love to see it. I think college basketball as a whole would love to see it. Of all the top-seeded teams, we'll go – actually, we'll take all the – no. All right, we'll take – so the teams tonight, I don't think they could beat Kansas. We're talking about St. Peter's. I don't think they'd be able to beat Kansas, North Carolina, UCLA, yesterday, Duke, Gonzaga, Arkansas, Villanova, Michigan, Texas Tech, Houston, Arizona. I don't think they could have beaten any of those teams. Out of those top-seeded teams and, like, everything, if they're going to beat a team, I think it would be Purdue. I I don't want to throw Iowa State and Miami into that conversation just because it probably would be where you could actually be, oh, wait, St. Peter's probably might have a chance without looking dumb. But out of those teams, if St. Peter's has a chance against anyone, I think it's Purdue. I think so as well. And I think that this could be the kind of game where you try to shut down everyone else, and if Jaden Ivey's going to beat you, just because nobody's going to be able to guard him for St. Peter's, flat out. If Jaden Ivey's going to beat you by putting up 35 points, then he's going to beat you. I, I'm trying to block off. I'm trying to force him to be the one to beat me, and he's the kind of guy that can do that. But at the end of the day, if that happens, I've got to live with that. Nobody nobody else – you can't have Zach Eady go on for 15-15 and 15, you can't be having other guys for Purdue putting up, you know, more than 15 points. You've got to have Jaden Ivey be forced to carry the load and see if he can step up to that level. Sometimes stars can do that, absolutely. I don't know if he's that kind of guy that can, though. And if they can hold him to 25 points and everybody else to under 15, then I'm loving St. Peter's chances to really stay in this game, if not win this game. But... For St. Peter's, their tallest player, and I apologize if I butcher this name, I believe it's Umar Diahami. He's 6'10", and he only plays nine minutes a game, average. He re- he only has 2.1 rebounds per game, on average. There is another guy who is also 6'10", Jerry... I apologize for these names, Jerry... I'm not even going to try the last name. He he has no stats available. You don't have the height to compete, so you're going to have to find another way to compete with this team. Yeah, it feels like the the their their top rotation players in height is they've got three guys that are six seven, all three of them fours, and Defo, Drame, and Drame. Um, it just feels like you're going to see a lot of doubles thrown at Zach Eady, and that's that's just going to be. You're going to have to try to force him to pass the ball back out. Because um, he is that good where he, if you if he gets it on the block, he will beat you. But we've got three more games to get to tonight. Providence, a seven-point underdog to Kansas. And the more I look at this game, I know I said Kansas should roll pretty easily on Wednesday. But the more I think about it, the more I think Providence has a real fighting chance in this game. I think they keep it closer than that seven-point mark. Yeah, sadly. I got to agree. That <laughs> just – I. I I know you've you've got you've got Kansas in your title game, and it's not. 
I'm not even saying these things about Providence because Kansas is in my title game. I just we've talked down on them all year, and I still don't think they're that good of a team. They're not. But it's March, and it changes everything. I mean, I am I'm for the sake of my bracket. Yes, I am a little worried. And in all but, fairness to Providence here, they they've played. They played South Dakota State, then they played Richmond. They haven't played anyone yet, really. But those two games were probably the best I've seen them look all year long. They just beat those teams. It was just flat out, there's no doubt Providence winning this game. They blew Richmond out of the water. That one wasn't even close. South Dakota State was a little closer, but they still pulled away late in the second half, and they made it look really, really easy. I mean, they, Providence has, has lived off winning close games. 11-2 and two in games decided by five points or less. That didn't happen in those first two games. They, they left no doubt in anybody's mind. And that's why I think Providence wins this game. You think they're going to win? I think they're going to win this game. Oh, my Lord. I'm still going to pick Kansas. I... Kansas has had such a tougher schedule. I think they're built better. They've had they the competition. Are. They're prepared better. It's March. It, I know. I have a hard time believing that all one seeds are going to be knocked out, though. Wouldn't that be so fun? No one seeds in the Elite Eight? It's going to be fun. We've got two more games. North Carolina, UCLA. We talked about this a lot on Wednesday. It's such a good matchup. It really is. I'm still rocking with UNC. Arguably the hottest team in basketball at the moment. Best best eight seed in history. They should not be an eight seed by they, any means. They shouldn't be. We'll see. If they go as far as they can, they would go down to the best eight seed in history, I think. But you've got teams like UConn with Shabazz. That was an eight seed. You've got the Butler team um, that made the final and faced off against Kemba Walker's UConn team. North Carolina can definitely win it all. If they do win it all, they're absolutely the best eight seed ever. If they get to the title game, I still think they're the best seed ever, best eight seed ever. They've got UCLA tonight, though. UCLA, a two-and-a-half-point favorite. I like the Tar Heels to win this game. I'm going to take the Bruins. Johnny Juzang has not showed up in March. He has to show up for this game. The way North Carolina is playing, no exceptions, has to show up. Tiger Campbell needs, needs to keep averaging this 15, 16 points that he has in the past two games. And Jaime Hawkes has to be that player that fills in to what everybody else isn't doing, like he does for every game. You've got a couple of a couple of big threes back and forth here. You've obviously got Juzang, Hawkes, and Tiger Campbell versus Brady Manick, Caleb Love, and Armando Baycott, which is going to be an incredibly fun game to watch. And finally, the last game of the night, a double-digit seed matchup, Iowa State and Miami. I've got the Hurricanes here, simple. Yeah, simple. Hurricanes, Cyclones, and the Windy City. Um, Yeah, I think Miami is – Miami should win this game. The way they've played, they look great. But I think Iowa State is out to get them. I think Iowa State is – I think Iowa State's here to do some damage to Miami. Wouldn't shock me at all. Let's go ahead and touch on these two Elite Eight games coming up tomorrow. We've got about a minute and a half left here. Houston and Villanova. Houston plays one of the best basketball in the nation right now. Two-point favorites over Nova. I'm riding with Villanova, though. If, I'm if, if Gillespie with, is healthy, I'm, if, I'm all over yeah, Villanova. If Gillespie can – whatever the injury was, and it didn't look severe. If he's healthy, I think it's their game. And if Houston gets into foul trouble – I really think 
there's no chance. Villanova is going to finish the season as the best free throw shooting team in history. I, I'm taking Villanova on this one. Arkansas looking to be the next team to try to spoil Coach K's retirement parade. I think this this is probably the first game in a, in a while that I'm just I'm pretty confident Duke wins, which could mean the Razorbacks win this one. But uh, based on how my March predictions have gone, I just don't like the way Arkansas matches up with Duke. I think we don't have an official last game for Coach K. This could be it, or it could be the championship, or the game before, or the final four. I think he's going to have a set game that is final game, and it's going to be the championship, and he's going to win it. Last game ever, national championship. JD knows he's going to do need to do a little better than nine for twenty nine and two of twelve. Ah, he three. needs to play like that again. Yeah. All these games are going to be so incredibly fun. We'll be back with you all Monday for another hour long episode. For David Smith, for Cody Blazak, I'm David Smith. This has been your Friday edition of Hot Takes.